So good to see you this morning and spend some time together in the Word at the beginning of this year. Oh, it's going to be good. How you doing? All right, that was a test. Let me try it again. How you doing? Better than ever, aren't you? Yeah, but how you feeling? Are you? You feeling better than ever? How are things going? How are things financially right now? Really, better than ever, you say, huh? How's your marriage? <laughs> All right, where'd, where'd we go, everybody? Come on. How, how's your marriage? How's home life doing this year? Better than it's ever been, glory to God. Now, if you don't know what we're talking about and you think we're just a bunch of crazy people shouting stuff, last week we got together and the Lord began talking to us, <clears throat> excuse me, about these three words, better than ever. And that is our answer this year to those questions and any question about how we're doing and the state of our lives and the state of this church and ministry. That's the answer, better than we've ever been. Now, I realize that uh, how things look sometimes and how things feel don't always line up with that. But remember something, you're a faith person. You're a person of great faith, which means you're not waiting to see something before you say something. A person of great faith does what their faith God does, and that is declare the end from the beginning. You call those things that be not as though they were. So no matter what it's looking like, no matter what it's feeling like, your words, your faith-filled words have the power to change what you see have the power <clears throat> to change what's going on around you. Say amen if you believe that. Amen. So that's going to be our answer this year. Better than ever. Amen. Now last week, how many of you were with us last week? I know we had a small, intimate group, a lot of folks out for Christmas. But you remember the promise I made to you? And I felt like we did a pretty good job last week. One scripture, one hour. But I realized coming into this week that when you limit yourself last week to one scripture, guess what happens? You're in for it. We might just look at all of them today. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 5 where we were looking last week. And this, this is the word of the Lord that we are letting set the tone and the expectation for this year. Tyler, that's my water right there. Will you bring this in? What we read here in 1 Peter chapter 5, we are going to let this set the course for the way we live life in 2022 and beyond. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. Let's just read this one verse. He said, May the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Say those words with me. Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle. Say it again. Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle. That is the work that I believe the Lord wants to do in this church, in the lives of this local church and this congregation, in the lives of our partner, family, people all over the world who are a part of this ministry. 
I believe the Lord wants to do this perfecting work in us this year. This establishing, strengthening, and settling in us this year. And if you think about it, you put all that together, if, if that's the shape you're in, perfected, established, strengthened, and settled, what are you? Better than ever, right? Because if, if you have been living uh, not perfected, well, what's that mean? It means something's been missing. Maybe something's been stolen. Maybe something's been lost. Maybe you lost some of your strength or some of your health. or You lost something in the days or the years gone by. But when the God of all grace goes to work in you and begins perfecting you, other translations say restoring to you, and he's adding to you, well, now you're perfected and you're better than you were before. I'm better than I've ever been. Now, don't let that word perfected fool you. It's not, it's not just a reference to like you're, you're perfect, you never make a mistake, you're flawless. It has to do with your development. It has to do with the equipping required to do the job God's called you to do. You need some equipping. And I'm excited today about some of these things that whatever's been taken from you, whatever's been lost in the days of the years gone by, being restored to you. And we, we mentioned that last week, but I got, I got fired up again about it just in the last week because I realized that when God restores, he never puts something back the way it was. It's always better. It's always stronger. It's always greater. I believe that's what's happening in us this year. This perfecting, this establishing. You remember we talked about being established on our course. And how this word established, if you look it up, it literally means to turn resolutely in a specific direction. Well, what does that mean? It means no more bouncing around. <clears throat> it means no more wondering and no more wandering. Sometimes you see these words written beneath the name of a company or the, the logo of a business. They've got the name and you'll see below it, established, 1901, established, 1955. What are they saying? That's when this thing began. And we've been doing this since then. What about your life? Maybe you've been wandering and wandering for a while and bouncing around looking for some direction. I'm telling you 2022 is the year you get established on course, turned resolutely in the direction you've been called to go in. Now, maybe you've experienced some of that in the past, but if you haven't, good news, you can have that right now in these days that we're in. You can turn resolutely in the direction you're called to go in, and you don't have to ever wander from it again. No more going to the left or to the right. We have turned in this direction, and bless God, we are going all the way. We're going where he's called us to go. We're doing what he's called us to do. I am established on course in Jesus' name. This is going to be a good year. Perfected established. Now you know this, if you have been lost and now you have direction, what are you? Better than ever. Strengthened. Strengthened. Man, we don't know how valuable this is to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might to be strengthened. What does that mean? It means you're done being weak. It means you're done being easily pushed around and rolled over. Those days are gone forever. And this year we are being 
perfected, established, and strengthened. And if you spent days and years and, uh, of your life past being weak and now you're strong, what are you? Better than you've ever been, man. And settled. Perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. Sarah and I longed for this for years. And we would come to this verse, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And we would set this out here in front of us. And we would say, for years, this is what's happening in our lives. Because we could feel it. Feel it. Even when the Lord was doing good things and our ministry was growing and, and we were experiencing great things in God, still there was something in us that longed for a settling. And I know our last few years in Texas, it seemed like we were kind of bouncing around. We lived in this house for a couple of years, then we lived in that one for a, a year or so, then we lived in this one, and it just seemed like we couldn't quite get settled. And every time the Lord put us in a place, it was beautiful and we were thankful for it and we could see the hand of the Lord involved in it. But there was something on the inside of us that was longing for a settling. Do you understand what I mean by that? And the psalmist said it like this, talking about the righteous man, the righteous woman. He said, his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. And we were longing for that settling. And when the Lord moved us up here, put us here a couple of years ago, we finally began to sense what he was wanting to do in our lives for so long in that settling. People ask us all the time, especially as we travel or we go back to Texas, how you like in Colorado? And my answer every time is we're home. I don't say, oh, I like it. It's beautiful. I say we're home. And I say that because it's what I feel in my heart about it. it it's you ever say something and, and you know what you're saying, even if other people don't? It's like, whatever, I don't care if you get it or not. I'm home. I'm home. This settling, when you're in the place God's called you to be in, doing the thing God's called you to do, there's nothing like it. And there's a settling that goes with it. Now, as we look at this verse, it's almost, if you look at it one way, like this sandwich, right? And it's really easy to begin here in verse 10 and, and get excited about the God of all grace. We spent days, weeks, really, probably months this year, this past year, talking about great grace and everything that God's grace enables you to do and helps you to do and strengthens you to do. And, and it's not just grace for salvation, but it's grace to be well and to be strong and to be whole and, and, and to have all the help of the Holy Ghost that you need. And man, it's easy to get excited about the grace of God. And, and this verse really goes with what we talked about all those months ago. He's the God of all grace, not just one grace, not just a grace that saves, but a grace that heals and a grace that provides and a grace that delivers and a grace that restores and a grace that recovers. He's the God of all that grace. And you see this throughout scriptures. Uh, uh, what is second Corinthians that talks to us about abounding in this grace also. He's the God of all this grace. And if you begin to understand how big grace is, it'd be very easy to get excited about that part. But the verse goes on and he says, may the God of all grace, who has called you. Somebody say, I'm called. I'm called. You believe that about you? Oh, yes. There's a call of God on your life. 
We talk in those terms sometimes, and I think people get a little super spiritual with it, and you lose the meaning of it. My calling, what is my calling? It's simply what he calls you. For example, he calls me pastor. That's why I stand here and do this and, and give my life to this. It's what he calls me. What's your calling? It's whatever he calls you. And there is a calling on your life, and it's big, and it's great, and eternity's wrapped up in it, and, and, and it has the potential to affect lives of people, <clears throat> not just the ones right around you, but people all over the world. And the magnitude of his calling is so great that he said it like this, may the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. That's your calling. You are called to the eternal glory of God by Christ Jesus. And just as easy as it would be to get excited about this God of all grace, it would be easy to get excited about this big calling on your life. And then, of course, we can get excited about perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. But there's this pesky little thing in the middle of the sandwich. Anybody else notice this yet? May the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, I think if we're honest, we would read it. May the God of all grace who's called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you suffer a while. Perfect, establish, strengthen itself. I, that's how I would like to read it. I'm sure that's probably how you would like to read it, but, but it's in there. It's in there. And if we really are people of faith and people of the word, then we can't be guilty of just being people who like the, this word here and that word there. You know what I mean by that? Our favorite word. We have to acknowledge that it's all good. And it's all inspired. And it's all for our benefit. And it all helps us. After you've suffered a while. After you've suffered a while. That's what we're going to deal with today. And maybe for the next few weeks. Now, yes, I've already had the are you sure Lord conversation Seriously, Lord, January 2nd, start the year talking about what now? <laughs> Suffering. There is a lot of misunderstanding concerning suffering in the body of Christ. Now, one thing we have to make note of and keep in our minds as we dig into this scripture for as long as the Lord has us in it is that whatever God does by his grace must be received by our faith. You have to make that connection. And it goes all the way back to when you were born again and how you were born again. And many people, you say, how is somebody born again? And many people say, by grace. Other people might say, by faith. And the answer is, you're both wrong, but you're both right. It's not by grace alone, and it's not by faith alone. How are we saved? By grace through faith. It is the working of those two things together that have enough power in them to produce salvation in our lives and change our eternal home. So when you read, may the God of all grace perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, you know right away faith has to be involved. 
And if you don't make that connection in your mind, that whatever God does and whatever God provides by grace has to be received by your faith, you will live perpetually frustrated. If you spend time in the Word of God and you're thinking, I see all these promises. These are great and precious promises. Why don't I got any of them? Why am I not living in any of it? If God is so good and he's so gracious and so kind, where is all this in my life? You're forgetting that everything God gives by grace has to be received by faith. So this perfecting work that we're reading about, that is a work of the grace of God. You and I cannot perfect ourselves. We don't have that kind of ability. That's something that God does and he does it by his grace. We don't have the ability in our own flesh to establish ourselves. This is a work of the grace of God. You can't add enough strength to yourself. Maybe you can work out. You can get as physically strong as you want. You can read a thousand books and get as mentally strong as you want. You can have a successful business and have a bunch of money in the bank and be as materially and financially strong as you can imagine. But you can come to the end of every one of those very quickly. It's not hard to come to the end of physical strength. It's not hard to come to the end of mental strength or financial strength. The kind of strength we're reading about and we're talking about is a kind of strength that only can be added to you by the grace of God. To the point where you're strong enough that nothing is impossible for you. Because all things are possible to him who believes. This settling that we're talking about. This is something that only the grace of God can do in our lives. Without him at work in your life, there is this constant turmoil and upheaval and, and confusion about where to go and what to do and why am I here and what's this thing called life. And man, you hang out in that confusion long enough, it's depressing. But by the grace of God, you can live a settled life. But notice this, everything that God does by a work of his grace has got to be received by faith. Amen. So how are we going to be perfected in this year? By grace through faith. See, this whole by grace through faith thing is not limited to the day you were born again. That's the same truth you're supposed to live by. You live every day of your life. How? By grace through faith. That's how you were filled with the Holy Spirit. By grace through faith. That's how you're healed in your physical body. By grace through faith. It's how you'll be perfected. It's how you'll be established. It's how you'll be strengthened. It's how you'll be settled. Now hold your place here and I want you to read something that Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 6. He said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. What's he talking about? He's come to the end, the end of his life, his ministry here on the earth. He knows it, recognizes it. And this is what he's talking to Timothy about. I'm, I'm at the end, man, the time of my departure and that's what death is. It's a departure. 
You're leaving here and going somewhere else. And he said, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm being poured out as an offering. Notice verse seven. This is what he says at the end. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's come to the end of his life and he is summing up his life and his ministry by saying these three things. I have, what do he say? Finished. I have finished the race. I have, uh, excuse me, back up. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. Can you say it with me? Fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. Now, most people, if they're honest, when they come to the end of their lives, would not be able to say that right there. If they're honest, honest with themselves, honest in the presence of God, most people would have to come to the end of their lives and say, I didn't fight a good fight. Now, this wasn't the only time Paul talked about fighting the good fight. He talked to, uh, to Timothy about it in 1 Timothy. He said, fight the good fight of faith. When he said, fight the good fight, study some other translations and you find out what he was saying is, Timothy, fight, but be good at it, man. One translation says, be constantly engaged in the contest of faith, which contest is marked by the beauty of its technique, the good fight. Fight and be good at it. Don't be bad at fighting the fight of faith. I used to tell people all the time, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in a pastor's home and little, little Christian school, and, and there wasn't a bunch of kids in my class. I think we had like less than 30 kids. And it was, I'll admit, it was a bit of a sheltered experience. And somewhere along the way, I realized I've never been in a fight. Not something I was necessarily proud of, but it was just kind of a realization I'd had. I've never been in a fight. Now, I had been hit a couple of times. I don't think it counts as a fight if you don't hit back. But I'd never really been in a fight. Now, that's not to say I hadn't practiced. Like every good teenage boy looks in the mirror. You talking to me? You talking to me? I don't like your tone. Right? What am I doing? I'm, I'm just going to be ready just in case someday the opportunity comes and I got to fight the fight. But the problem with that, as you just stand there and, and box that guy in the mirror, the scripture called it shadow boxing. And Paul said, thus I fight not as one who beats the air. The problem with fighting like that is you never make impact. You never make contact. And Paul is writing here and saying, I fought. And I don't fight like somebody who's just punching the air. I have fought a good fight. He said, I have finished the race. Most people would say, I fought poorly. I quit early. If they were honest, they'd have to say, I fought poorly and I quit early but not Paul. And by the spirit of God, he's saying, I fought and I fought good. I fought well. I ran the whole race. 
Now notice what he said. I kept the faith. What does that mean? It means evidently there was opportunity along the way to lose the faith. And he's saying, I've come to the end and I kept it. Well, many people, if they were honest, would come to the end and say, I fought poorly, I quit early, and somewhere along the way, I lost my faith. Why am I talking about this? Because that is what the suffering is all about. There's a lot of confusion, like I said, in the body of Christ about suffering. And it seems like you've got two groups. One, us, and two, everybody else. And much of the body of Christ, when it comes to suffering, would define suffering the way it probably should be defined. Pain, discomfort, something that you don't enjoy. But the problem is, Many believers, whenever there's any pain of any kind or any discomfort of any kind, they point at it and say, it, it, it must be God. God's showing me something. God's teaching me something. And no matter what the suffering is, they attribute it as coming from God. Then you've got us. And when I say us, I'm talking about word people. I'm talking about faith people. And just the just the mention of the word suffering. Most of us are like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh, redeemed, glory to God, redeemed, bless the Lord, redeemed by the blood, no suffering, no suffering. I'm redeemed from all suffering. So stop talking about suffering. And if you're gonna talk about it, somebody wake me up when he's done talking about it. But let me read a few scriptures to you. And, and you tell me, you tell me if we are in fact indeed redeemed from all suffering. You don't have to turn there. Just listen to some of these and maybe we'll have them on the screen for you. The Bible said in Philippians chapter 1 verse 29, for to you it's been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe, into him, believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Listen to those amens. Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Verse 17, he said, if we're children, then heirs. Man, we get excited about this. Heirs of God. Yes, amen. Joint heirs with Christ. Glory to God. Whatever belongs to Jesus belongs to me. Bless God. Hey. <laughs> but we have this, this bad habit of not finishing the verse. <laughs> we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What's that next word? If, if indeed we suffer with him. Now notice this, that we may also be glorified together. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 12 says, if we suffer, that's the King James Bible. The New King James says, if we endure, we will reign with him. In Acts chapter 9, here you see uh, Jesus speaking to Ananias about Paul after he'd been converted. I guess he was still Saul at this point, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Does this sound like 
we've been redeemed from all suffering? No. But what you want to be watchful over is you don't go all the way to that other side and you just point to any pain, any discomfort of any kind and say, God's doing it. Because there are some things in the scripture that are very clear about what we have been redeemed from. Just a few days ago, shortly after Christmas, uh, <clears throat> maybe you can still hear some of it. I started not feeling my best. I just some head congestion and stuff like that. And it lasted a couple of days. It wasn't really a big deal, just rested. But I noticed that at no point when I was uncomfortable with this congestion, at no point did I think, the Lord must be trying to show me something. <laughs> at no point did I just tell Sarah, I'm just suffering for Jesus. And it's kind of gotten to the place where I've really gotten tired of hearing some of these things that people hear and they just... They just bite into it. Things like, there's purpose in your pain. Have you heard this before? The Lord's got purpose in your pain. I know they both start with P, but that doesn't mean a thing. It sounds good. There's purpose for this season of pain in, that you're in, but the scars will become stars. You got to be careful that you don't just point at anything that's painful and say, the Lord's in that. The Lord did that. My thought when I started dealing with all this over the last few days was too many peanut butter balls at Christmas, <laughs> too much pumpkin pie, too many nights in a row up after midnight. I, I, I know this. I know that this is the kind of thing that, that is potential when you don't take care of yourself the way you should. Now, the reason I mentioned that, listen to some of these other verses. In, uh, here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 says, Who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed for it is better. Listen, it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Is there a suffering that is according to the will of God? We're reading about it. We're reading about it. Now there are other scriptures that talk about here in 1 Peter, and we'll get to them in time, I'm sure, but he talks about make sure that you don't suffer for being an evildoer or suffer for your own faults. That's what I was talking about with going overboard with the refined sugar and the late nights and just not taking care of yourself. It's silly to think, God, what are you doing? 
In the mysterious plan and will of God, I'm suffering with this sickness. I'm suffering with this congestion. I'm suffering with this disease. God, there, there, there must be purpose in the pain. There must be a reason for this painful season that I'm in. And God's going, yeah, there's a reason. Peanut butter balls. You can't eat 12 of them, Jeremy. Before dinner, it just it doesn't work. We're laughing about it, but if we'd be honest, and we need to be, when there is some pain that we're dealing with, we're going to have to ask the question, why is it here? Now, the good news is, regardless, whether you're suffering for righteousness sake or you're suffering from some stupid decision you made, there is mercy. There is grace. Amen. Now, we're going to have to talk more about some of these things, but here's what I believe the Lord wanted us to get to in, in the time that you and I have today, talking about keeping our faith. Amen. We're going to do this as the Lord leads us, but this may be where we spend some time over the next several weeks. What do we do to keep our faith when we're in the middle there, while the God of all grace, who's called us according to his eternal glory, while we're in that place where he said, when you've suffered a while, because it's in that space where Satan, your enemy, would love to rob you of your faith. Because if he can rob you of your faith, then you cannot receive the perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and settling work of God's grace. How many of you want to come to the end of this year or to the end of this life and say what Paul said, I have finished the race. I have fought the good fight and I kept my faith. <laughs> the devil tried to take it from me, tried to strip it from me, but I kept it. I held on tight to it. That's what we want to be able to say. So go in the next few minutes that we have. Look with me. Oh, thank you, Lord. I told you I got too many scriptures for you. James chapter one. What do we do in the middle of suffering. You're looking for James chapter one. Let me just read to you a few more of these verses. We read about suffering for his name's sake. We've read about suffering for righteousness sake. We've read about suffering for doing good. Uh, for, or excuse me. Yeah. First Peter chapter two in verse 18, he wrote and said, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongly, wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer... If you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Now that's 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 18 through 23. Does anybody know what verse 24 said? By his stripes, you were healed. It's almost as though the spirit of God is saying, here's Jesus suffering as an example, 
But here's Jesus suffering as a substitute. Do you understand the difference? Here in his suffering, notice what he did. He did not revile. He did not threaten. But notice this. His stripes upon, upon his back, the stripes on his back bore your healing. In other words, that's what he did as your substitute. What I'm trying to tell you is when much of the body of Christ is saying, I'm suffering with this sickness because the Lord is showing me, the Lord is teaching me, there's purpose in this pain. You and I have got to know the difference between what Jesus did as an example and what Jesus did as a substitute. There is a suffering that we walk through and we look to him as our example, but when there's this pain, this sickness in the body, this lack in your life, that is what you resist. We'll talk more about that. Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. James chapter one. Let's just do this. James chapter one, beginning in verse two. He said, my brethren, count it all joy. When? When you fall into various trials. <laughs> that's not normal. That's not a normal response to various trials. Look at it again. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When you are just living your life and everything seems to be going good and out of nowhere, it seems like you just tripped up and you fell into the middle of various trials. This word various is the word variegated. You might say random. In other words, you, you've fallen into trials and you are going, where on earth did this come from? Now, a lot of times we, we fall into stuff and we think, oh, I, I know why this happened. Yeah, I see that. Okay, here's what we'll do about that. Sure, and we'll get that fixed. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about falling into the middle of something and you got trials, various variegated random trials all around you. And you think, man, everything was going so good yesterday. What happened to today? And it just seems like everything is falling apart and everybody has turned against you and everything is now not going your way. What do you do in the middle of these various trials? Now, one of the things he's specifically referring to and we're going to see this as we look through the scriptures, that the suffering, one of the big things that Jesus did not redeem you from. Are you listening? Persecution. We are not redeemed from persecution. He told us that it would be there. He told us we would face it. He told us we would encounter it. And this is what James is talking about. Falling into these trials at the hands of other people, unbelieving people. I believe I'm directed of the Lord to talk to us about this because as a Western church and believers that have grown up on this side of the world, we have experienced some and of course, all you got to get is a little bit of perspective to some of the persecution that other people in other places around the world have experienced, and then all of a sudden it doesn't seem so painful, right? Just because they won't say Merry Christmas to you at your favorite coffee place, you're going to be okay. But 
I think you and I can both see pretty clearly that we're headed for some things. Even on this side of the planet, there is some persecution coming up against the body of Christ. And it's more prevalent in the United States of America right now than it's ever been in the history of this nation. Persecution. What are we going to do? Because the whole assignment behind it is to strip you of your faith. Because if he can strip you of your faith, he can keep grace from perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and settling you. So what are we going to do? I believe it's coming. I'm not saying this to scare you. As a matter of fact, it needs to be the opposite response. What do you and I need to do when we fall into this? Count it all joy. How? Because that's not normal. To fall into these kinds of trials, persecution, tribulation, and to be in the middle of it and count it all joy? But Jesus said it's coming. He said in the book of Matthew chapter 13, talking about the parable of the sower and, and the different seeds that fell on different kinds of ground. He said, there's one kind of ground, stony ground. Those people heard the word, and you remember this? They received it how? Woo! With joy. Hey, that's a good word, preacher. I like that word. Glory to God for that word. I received that word. That's a good word. Get all excited about it. But Jesus said, if they don't have a root in themselves, then what happens? When persecution and tribulation arise for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. The question there is, what happened to the joy? Because they started good. They started in the right place. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into persecution, tribulation, and various trials. How can you do that? Verse 3, here's how you do that. Knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be... Maybe what? Maybe what? May the God of all grace do what? Perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. How does this perfecting happen? It's in this space right here. When you have fallen into various trials, and it's not just the fact that you're suffering. Suffering alone won't do it. You can't go through the suffering, whining, complaining, grumbling, crying, depressed over it, and expect to come out on the other side, perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. It's not just about the fact that you suffered. It's about the way you went through it. And if you will go through it in joy, knowing that patience is working and that my faith is being tested, my faith is being proven, but there's something going on in me and patience will have a perfect work. <sighs> to try and expect the God of all grace to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you without this thing called suffering in the middle. It's sort of like starting a new year, standing in front of the mirror saying, this is the year. I'm getting jacked this year. 
And we've all done it. You've looked and either it's too much or it's not enough. And you're thinking, this is it, man. This year, I'm getting ripped. I'm going to have muscles on top of muscles. And people aren't going to recognize me. I'm going to have negative percent body fat. I'm going to be so strong. I'm going to be so ripped out of my mind. I'm, they're going to ask me to star in the next superhero movie. I'm going to be an amazing specimen. The only thing is, I'm not going to work out. nor am I going to change the way I eat. Now, is that ever going to happen? No. What is working out? You're lifting weights. What's happening that whole time? You are resisting. And the only way this physical body grows, the only way you become perfect, the only way you become strengthened is through that resistance. And if you've ever worked out, then you know suffering's a good word for it. If you've ever determined to change the way you eat and to stop eating 12 peanut butter balls at night before you go to bed, then you know suffering is a good word for it. I have a trainer and he's been working with me recently uh, on something that I've never really worked on before. I, he, there's a couple of moves he likes, I hate. And, and whenever it's that day and we're going to go do that, he'll tell me, all right, we're going to do five sets and I want you to do 10. And my whole goal has been get through these as quickly as I can. And so I just try to just try to knock them out. But lately he's been talking to me about slowing down. It's like, I don't want to slow down. I want to be done. But he's been talking to me about time under tension. And the result, the different result you get, the slower you go with it. And the longer your body is resisting that pressure, it's resisting that weight. And man, I can feel it too. The difference between me just trying to knock it out and then me slowing down. Yes, it's suffering. But guess what's happening? There's a perfecting taking place. There's a strengthening taking place. You can tell. Uh, <clears throat> Okay. Time under tension. This is what patience is about. Letting patience have that perfect work in you. How can you count it all joy? Because I know what I'm going to look like when I get done with this. How can you count it all joy when you're being persecuted? Because you know what you're going to look like when you come out of this thing. I'm coming out of this thing, not beat up. I'm coming out of this thing perfected. I'm coming out of this strengthened. I'm coming out of this established. I'm coming out of this settled. That's how you count it joy in the middle of it. Look at this from Philippians chapter 4. We'll be done here in just a moment. Philippians chapter 4. We sang about this earlier today. What does it say? Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord how often? Always. And again, I say rejoice. Count it all joy. Now, if you were waiting on everything around you to make you feel joy, then you wouldn't be counting it joy. There's faith involved in this. And when he says here, rejoice in the Lord, he's commanding this. Evidently, it's a choice. Rejoicing is a choice. And as people of faith, we're not waiting on what we see to tell us how we feel about it. 
As people of faith, we don't care what we see. We come to the word. And if the word says, if the word says rejoice in the Lord always, then that is what we are going to do. We're going to rejoice when it looks good. We're going to rejoice when it doesn't look good. We're going to rejoice when everybody loves us. We're going to rejoice when nobody loves us. We're going to rejoice when the government's on our side. We're going to rejoice when the government's doing everything they can to shut us up and shut us down. We are going to rejoice in the middle of it. How can you do that? Because I'm coming out of this thing perfected, established, strengthened, settled. If you'll rejoice all the way through it. You can rejoice all the way through it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Really? Doesn't sound like you're blessed. When they revile you. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds terrible. (laughs) When they revile you, when they persecute you, what did Jesus say you are? blessed. This is how you can count it all joy. I'm blessed. Why are you so blessed? They hate me. They've been talking bad about me, making fun of my faith, making fun of my God. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. Trying to shut the church down, trying to shut us down, trying to shut us up. We're so blessed. It's not normal. It's not normal. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. What did he say? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. One of the reasons we have failed to rejoice is because we're not thinking enough about eternity. It's not real enough to us. If you come to me and you say, Pastor, everybody at work is persecuting me. I can't get any favor. They're they're hating on me because of my faith, because of my, my belief in God. And I say something to you, bless God, great is your reward in heaven. And you go, really? Heaven? I mean, I need something real. It's not real enough to you. If heaven and the reward that you have there was more real to you, you would rejoice right now, right now in the middle of this suffering. Yes. In the middle of the suffering. Yes. In the middle of the persecution, you would rejoice. You'd rejoice because heaven's real to you. The reward is real to you. Let me read this last thing to you. Have I said that already? Go with me to the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter four, you see where, uh, well, chapter three, you see where there was a man miraculously healed in chapter four, Peter and John are preaching and uh, the religious leaders come and they arrest him. And of course you remember this, they They commanded them to to speak no longer in the name of Jesus, and they threatened them. This is what we are beginning to see right now, threats. And for a lot of people, it's not waking them up enough. I mean, to realize that just within the last couple of years, churches were told 
stop meeting. Or else. Well, what is that? That's a threat. And it's happening, and we're beginning to see more of these things. It's happening all over the world, not just here. And they threatened them. And they said, do not speak, do not preach anymore in that name. And of course, you know, Peter, how he responded. He said, whether it's right in the sight of God to, to obey you or to obey him, but, but we cannot help but preach the things that we've seen. And they threatened them and they sent them on their way. And Peter prayed in Acts chapter four, verse 29, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your ser servants that with all boldness, we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word with boldness. Now in chapter five, they're in the temple again and they're, they're preaching, of course, doing the very thing they were threatened and commanded not to do. And... Uh, you see that they're taken captive again. It says in verse 33, uh, they'd heard them preaching. They were furious. They plotted to kill them. One from the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. He talked to these men of Israel. He said, listen, I'll paraphrase here. He said, look, if it's of God, it'll last. If it's not, it won't. So um, they, they listened to him. Uh, Gamaliel said in verse 38, I say to you, keep away from these men, let them alone. If this plan or this work is of men, it'll come to nothing. If it's of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Now notice verse 40, and they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So here's this guy talking some sense into him. This guy with some experience, this elder, if you will. He said, listen, if it's of God and it'll last, if it's not, it won't. You don't want to fight against God. And they said, you know what? It's a good point. Call those guys back in here. Let's beat them. It's like, what happened to, what happened to niceness and common sense here? And they beat these guys. This is persecution. They beat them and commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. But I want you, I read all that to show you this, verse 41. Go ahead, guys. When they departed from the presence of the council, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, what had just happened? They've been arrested and they've been beaten. But instead of walking out of there confused and depressed and thinking, I don't know about this faith thing anymore. It's not worth all this. What are they doing? They're rejoicing. They just got beat. I'm trying to imagine this. This little group of disciples who just got beat. I don't know what they beat them with, sticks, stones, whatever it was. I'm imagining these guys, they're coming out of there and they're limping and they're battered and they're bruised, but guess what else they're doing? Rejoicing. 
It doesn't even make sense. It's hard to even imagine the picture. This is how not normal it is. They're rejoicing. I can't even imagine what it was looking like. These guys talking to each other. Oh, man, that was so great. Oh, did you see that? Oh, he hit me right across the face. Glory to God. Oh, I nearly went unconscious. Oh, Jesus, thank you. No, no, I think he hit me harder, man. I, man, when he hit me with that stick across the back, I started seeing stars. I thought I was going to heaven right now. <laughs> it doesn't even compute, but it's what's happening. These guys are rejoicing in the middle of the suffering. Why? They got their eyes on something else. We've been counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. Can you see what I'm telling you today? That no matter what we talk about as we lead up to this perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and settling work, we're going to have to change the way we handle that time in the middle. Because the suffering, the suffering has an assignment on it. And it's come to try to rob you of your faith. And if you lose your faith along the way, guess what won't happen? this perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and settling work of God's grace will never happen in your life. So we're going to have to change the way we go about it. We're going to have to think completely different about suffering. We're going to have to think so different about it. We're going to have to be like these guys, that when we get hit a little bit, what do we do? Woo! We laugh a little, we shout a little, and we thank God we've been counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. Amen? Would you stand up on your feet? I know, I get it. January 2nd, why are we talking about suffering? I'm talking about what's coming at the end of it. I'm talking about what's waiting on the other side. Come on, lift up your hands and let's thank the Lord and praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We worship you. Lord, we're so grateful to be your children. We're so grateful to be believers. Father, we're thankful for the place that you've allowed us to spend our lives and grow up in. And it is a wonderful nation. But Lord, we also recognize that there are days ahead of us and there may be persecution that waits in the days ahead. There may be tribulation that waits in the days ahead. But we want you to know, Lord, that we would willingly and gladly suffer anything for the sake of righteousness. We would suffer any reproach. We would suffer any shame. We would suffer any persecution to be called your children. And we say in Jesus' name, that by your grace, we will fight a good fight. We will finish the race and we will keep our faith in you. And your grace working together with our faith in these days just in front of us, very soon we'll, we, we will be living lives perfected, established, strengthened, and settled in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 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 Now, I know some of these things we're talking about rejoicing, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, it doesn't sound like fun. Folks, we need to be ready to die for what we believe in. It doesn't seem like we'd ever have to face that, not in this part of the world we live, but are you ready to? Are you willing to suffer for righteousness sake? I'm not talking about suffering being sick. 
I'm not talking about suffering being broke. I'm not talking about suffering anything that Jesus redeemed you from. But I am talking about a willingness to endure some persecution. A willingness to endure some tribulation at the hands and the mouths of unbelievers. Is anybody willing in here to go all the way for the kingdom of God? To give your life for it. Are you? That's what he's asking for. Lord, we are willing. Sarah, is there anything you need to add to this today? Altar ministers, would you come? Before you leave today, if you need prayer for anything, or if you've not been born again, these people are ready here, willing to pray with you. You can make Jesus the Lord of your life today. Heaven can be your home in eternity. And all these things that people do suffer from, many things that people suffer from, they don't have to. You don't have to spend another day suffering with sickness and disease. You don't have to spend another day suffering from poverty and lack, suffering from depression and oppression. When Jesus is the Lord of your life, you've been redeemed from all of it. And grace has made it available, but it requires your faith in response to it. So if you'd like prayer for any of those things today, come to the front. Let us pray with you. Father, we love you and worship you this morning. You're a good and gracious Father God to us. We dedicate this year to you and to the work that you are doing in our lives to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle us in Jesus' name. Father, I declare over this congregation today that all this week, by your grace, by your help, and by the leadership of your spirit, they will be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, with the right people in Jesus' name. Folks, they're going to sing, you be dismissed on your way out today. What are you going to get? Your Bible reading card. And you're going to start tomorrow with us, reading your chapter every day, Monday through Friday. It's going to be a good year. We love you. Happy New Year. And we'll see you again in a week. Bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY and any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.